I believe in a world where we take the small steps to become the people we were designed to be. Welcome to the Becoming Congruent Movement. In this podcast, we explore people and concepts around becoming who you were designed to be, the profound power of our unique human experience. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Hicks, and I'm excited to take this journey with you. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Becoming Congruent. I am so excited today to have our guest, Yvonne DeVita, the founder of Nurturing Big Ideas. Her mantra is, all big ideas start with a story. And if she can help you tell yours, as you become a successful entrepreneur, she will have fulfilled her purpose on planet Earth. On a business level, she brings 20 years of experience in the field of writing and communication, business development, offline and online, and book and coaching development Uh, developmental editing. She is focused on the power of your voice to tell your story and then guiding you to assure you, you will be recognized in today's digital world as a leader in your space. Thank you so much for being here. Yay. (laughs) Well, I am, I am just thrilled. I can't tell you how happy I am to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about, this is such an exciting bio. I love it so much. I am so passionate about people having a unique story and people being able to tell a unique story. It's what this podcast is all about. Um, I just think there's so many interesting stories out in the world. And um, tell us how you got to this place and what inspires you about helping other people tell their story. It's kind of interesting, Melanie, because I got to this place um, by, I don't know, being kind of a, a serious introvert as a child. And I was so afraid of other people, I would sit and write stories all day, and I would make up my own people. And, um, you know, I would write stories about wanting to have a dog. And then in seventh grade, I wrote a 300 page novel. Um, So I come by it honestly, I'm all about the fact that the human condition requires people to tell the stories of who they are, where they came from, what they're about. And Today, in business, nothing is more important than how you tell your story because your clients and your prospects, they want to work with you because you bring an emotional attachment, because you understand them, because you offer them the right kind of solution. And that's where story comes in. Story's all about that. It's all about, gee, what you want to do in the world and how you want to make a difference. So what I want to do in the world is take my storytelling ability, which I had honed um, over the last 25 years, um, not to mention all before that when I studied and it was in school and studying writing and journalism. Um, But I want to encourage people to tell their story um, in various ways. Not everyone wants to write a book. I want people to write books. I'll put that out there on the table. That is my goal is to get people to write, especially women. Melanie, Melanie, let me tell you something. Women are not represented enough in the business world in books. And so we're looking. We we women are looking for other women to write books and teach us the things that they know and share their experiences and their stories. So I'm all about that, getting women to write books. But in the end, the story... The story is part of being who we are back to the caveman days when we sat around the campfire 
and told each other what happened in our day. And that's it. Nice. Yeah. Tell, tell me about this book that you wrote when you were a child. What was it about? Okay. Okay. So I don't remember the title. Isn't that silly? But I do remember the story was a love story. I was in seventh grade, you know, I was just hitting puberty. Right. And it was a love story between a woman who lived all by herself in a house and it was haunted. So I was fascinated with ghosts and she fell in love with this ghost. And so it was kind of a ghost story where I don't even remember the ending. Isn't that so? I just remember that I really enjoyed writing about this feeling these two beings have for each other, even though they couldn't ever touch each other or be together. But um, it was all about just being together in the room or the house and um, talking and sharing and telling their stories. Awesome. You know, it's interesting that sometimes those, those childhood things that we do that become really later impactful nuggets of, of who we become as adults. Um, it's not even about the details of it as much as kind of the feeling and the, uh, the emotion or the confidence it builds or the process that was enjoyable or whatever, right? It's those, it's kind of sometimes the intangibles versus the actual tangible thing that happened that mm -hmm. makes such an impact. Yeah, I think it was just an extension of, by then when I was 12 and I had, I was still an introvert, but I had friends and I, you know, I went about and did things and whatnot. Um, but I think I saw a movie on TV and this book was an imitation of the movie, I will say that. But um, to your point, yes, it, it fulfilled me because it served the purpose of helping me get my emotions out at that time. And that was the way that I did it. Nice. So tell me a little bit more about um, the kinds of projects that you work on with clients now. Well, interestingly, so let me tell you a little story. Okay. And this story goes back to 2009. So I was at that time a print-on-demand publisher um, in the printing world, and I worked with authors and I was the developmental editor on their books. And my husband came to me and said, you need to start a blog. And I didn't want to start a blog because I didn't know what it was. And he said, no, blogs are better than newsletters. So we will do one. So I started a blog, Melody. And the blog got me a lot of attention. And the blog led me to a speaking engagement in Florida where I met the interactive marketing director of Nestle Arena, the dog food company. Mm -hmm. And at that time, my focus was, again, it was like it is now on women and women's issues. And I said to him, um, Karina should be blogging because women are blogging, women are reading blogs, and more women have pets than men. And he said, no, no, no. Um, I can't blog. The lawyers won't let me blog. This was 2009. So it was mm -hmm. early, early stage of the blogging. Uh, and I said, well, I'll blog for you. And I proposed, um, I pitched him a blog and a blog program and he took it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 
I became the Purina blogger. And I met other pet bloggers. So this opened up a whole new world, Melanie. So there were a, a, a boatload of other bloggers out there that had cats, dogs, gerbils, guinea pigs, whatever. And they were writing blogs about these animals and about their experiences and the health and the welfare. And they were talking about shelters and rescues. And at the same time that, that was happening, I don't know if you under if you know about uh, a group called Blog Her. And Blog Her launched well before 2009, I think it was. A group of women got together and launched this community of women bloggers. And it was very successful. And the consumer brands were meeting with them at conferences and um, building marketing programs and whatnot. So my pet blog and the pet bloggers, I another pet blogger called me and said, we should do something together. And I said, okay, what, what did you have in mind? She, I don't know, but we should do something because all these pet bloggers need someone to teach them how to do a better job at what they're doing. And um, they wanted to get endorsements and sponsorships and things. And so we created Blog Pause. And it was an imitation of Blog Her, but it was for pet bloggers. And I left the publishing business behind and I put all of my energy in with my co-founders into Blog Pause. And we had conferences where we taught people to be better writers, better photographers, um, how to talk to a brand if a brand contacted and wanted to work with them, how to reach out to brands, and many, many other things in our conferences. And all the brands, all the brands would come. And so we had a big showroom. And it was very successful. Um, ended up being acquired by PetSmart. And throughout that, Melanie, it was my job to get speakers and to manage our nose to nose pet blogger awards. Okay, so we had um, on our closing ceremony, we had an award show just like uh, the Oscars. We could not call it the Oscars for pet bloggers because you're not allowed to say that. So we had to call it the nose to nose awards. And we gave awards out for best pet blog, best cat blog, best dog blog, best photo, best. Um, um, other pets, so other pet being guinea pig or, or um, rats that people would have, birds. And people would come with their pets, we were pet friendly, and they would dress their pets up in tutus and sequins and diamonds and put bows in their hair. And it was the most fun that you would ever have in your entire life. And it's fulfilled, it fulfilled my, my duty and my passion to help people be better writers and tell better stories because that's what I was in charge of teaching people how to do that. And when it was um, acquired, it was time for me to step aside and do something else. And so of course, what did I do? I went back to what I do best. I started nurturing big ideas and I started working with clients and authors and writers um, to put together books that they could sell on Amazon through Kindle and um, support their businesses. And that's, that's what I do. So I help them write their book by, by going chapter by chapter, page by page, paragraph by paragraph, where I'm going to give them, I'm going to do my editing, but I'm also going to then give them advice on whether it's working or not, whether it, uh, the message is, is on topic or not, 
um, you know, I work with them carefully on how to talk about it, how to release it, when should they launch it, um, and basically, what is the book going to be for? Because truth is, it's always for someone else. If you're writing the book for yourself, I'm not your, your own coach. But if you're writing it for other people because you want to make a difference in somebody's life, then right. I'm your coach. Because my goal is to make sure that the reader gets the message that you told me that you wanted them to get. So that's what I do. So that's, that's how I work. That was a long story, wasn't it? Uh, it was perfectly wonderful. Uh, tell me this. Tell, tell, talk a little philosophy with me. What makes a just kind of overarching? What makes an intriguing story for for the reader? What are some of the the kind of tips for budding writers out there if they are starting to think about stories? You know, even nonfiction stories mm -hmm. that are you know that they want to tell and they want to change someone's life or have an mm -hmm. impact somehow. What are what are the elements of that? Well, the first thing I tell people is don't write a report. Too many people want to tell me what happened, but they leave all the emotion out. They don't put the tears in. They don't put the scraped knees in. They don't put the um, sleepless nights in. They think it's embarrassing. And, and I'm constantly saying to my authors, this was such a good um, story that you told, but how did you feel when this was happening? You didn't tell me that. I want to know how you felt. Did you cry? Who slammed the door in your face? You must have been angry. Show me that. So it goes back to the old uh, show, don't tell kind of thing, because it's so easy just to tell people, here, let me tell you what happened. I told you the story about Blockbuster. Well, let me tell you. I, I was so thrilled, thrilled to be part of Blog Pause, that these pep walkers would put their, their faith in us to teach them. And it, it would make me cry. And, and, you know, we always gave back to shelters and rescues, by the way. We supported shelters and rescues throughout the entire time we were at Blog Pause. And that was another very big, um, important thing that we did. So you've got to put in that emotion. You've got to show me how you felt when this was happening. You can't just tell me it happened. Right. Yeah, that's perfect. So do you have any um, really, and I, I know there'll be some that you can't talk about, but are there any interesting stories from clients you've worked with where, where you've just made, maybe assisted them to help watch them make a big impact or something that you're really proud of in some of the work that you've interacted with others? Well, I could tell a couple stories. So um, there was one gentleman I worked with who was an English professor, and he was very well known. He had uh, more letters after his name than anybody else I've ever met. Um, he was very intelligent and very smart. Well, he wrote a series of books for um, CEOs. And the first book was a revision. So he came to me to do a revision on the first book. And um, we talked about it because he, I said to him, who is this for? And he said, well, I want small business owners to be able to um, take my advice. And he was a coach at that time for uh, corporate America. And <clears throat> I read it and I said, well, okay, this is, this is a literature book. This, this is not 
they vote for CEOs. So let's go through it. And so we did together. And there was one particular phrase. I honestly don't even remember the phrase, but I know that he used it over and over. And I let him get away with it for a while, but I finally started crossing it out, striking it out. And, and we got on the phone because I get on the phone. Um, at that time, we didn't do Zoom. I do Zoom now. But at that time, I would get on the phone with them once a week. And um, he said, why did you take that out? That is my favorite phrase. I don't want that taken out. And I said, you have kicked that dead horse so much that there is nothing left to it. We are taking that out and you are never using it again. Kill the darlings. That's what I was told by an editor once. Yes. Kill yes. your own darlings. And he was quiet for a minute. And he said, okay. <laughs> so that was that. I mean, because you can't, you can't just, he did it because he liked it. Well, okay, but it, it didn't work everywhere that he was using it. And it was my job to say, you had to take that out. And so we did. Um, and I worked with, um, actually with a, a woman who had a wonderful, wonderful story. And she was really telling the story well, but she wanted it to be for uh, women who were going into business and just starting out. And so I had to help her put some of that business into it because all she was doing was the story, which was wonderful. It wasn't a fiction book about her and what happened and all this, even though she was writing it so well. I kept saying, no, we have to now apply it to the general public that you're talking to, the women that are starting businesses that you want them to know um, what you've learned and teach them. Now we have to do that. That has to be in here. It can't just be the story. So sometimes you just have to nurse out uh, the right parts of the book with the author. The author is, we all are too close to what we have. And yes. so you need, and, and, and one of the things we also do at Nurture Big Ideas is we make sure the authors have readers, beta readers, and the, the beta readers will sometimes help as the book's being written, or sometimes we wait to the end and send them the manuscript before um, the launch so that they can read it and get back to us. So they have the whole piece there. But the important part there is they are the people that the book is for. I mean, I do my best to make sure that the message is going to be good for the reader, but we have to have readers who are going to give comments and suggestions and, you know, let us know, did we actually keep the through line? So the through line is something that we teach people all the time. Is, I mean, here's your message. It has to go through all the way to the end, from the beginning to the end. Um, and if, if you need to be able to tell me the through line in 15 words. So we work on that a lot, let me tell you. Um, but uh, but that's 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 just people. It's just normal, and it's just when people come to me, I'm so pleased that they understand that they do need to help me here, and I do my best. Yeah. So tell me this: what um what like inspires you? What gets your personal kind of fire? What are your favorite kind of core values? I am inspired by the women that don't make the news, but are out there making things happen. So every time I see the news talk about um, Cheryl Sandberg, 
from from Facebook mm -hmm. or um, any of the other famous women. There, there are dozens of um, Hillary Clinton or I mean I admire these women. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely do. The things that they've they've accomplished is that I love Sheryl Sandberg's book Lean In, by the way. Um, but I'm inspired by the women that are not making the news. And they might only make their local channel because they've done something important, something remarkable, something that the local news wants to cover. That inspires me because those are the women, Melanie, that are the foundation of everything in this country. Yeah, I love that. I am also super inspired by people's stories that that don't necessarily make the news, right? People who are doing great things. I, you know, I work with a lot of um, startup founders, and some of those companies do go on to do some good things, and they get some press. And you know, I haven't had the privilege to work with one that made it, you know, <laughs> you know, nationwide yet. But I, you know, as I work with people, the the passion for what they're doing, and for particularly, I work with social entrepreneurs, so people who have a social mission and they're accomplishing that through some combination of for-profit and nonprofit um, yeah. means. And this idea that, you know, we can do business, we can sell a product or a service or, you know, uh, or provide a service, whatever. And, but we can do it with full values and authenticity and a purpose and a, like an intention to improve the world. It's mm -hmm. very inspiring. And mm -hmm. the heart that is involved in that is very inspiring. Absolutely. Um, so I'm with you. I'm we're kindred spirits in that way. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, I have an author um, from when I was doing my, my publishing company that I worked with uh, Sybil Stersick. And her book that we worked on um, is Taking Care of People Who Matter the Most. And it was all about volunteers. Oh, wow. The volunteers in the nonprofit world. That's awesome. Yeah. What, um, beyond uh, kind of just working with them on their book, what other kind of, your, your bio talks about other kind of ways that you help them get their message out. So what what other kind of, you know, I, I find the online space to be really, you know, kind of loud, you know, crowded, loud, chattery. Yeah. Um, how how do you, when you aren't kind of newsworthy, right, necessarily, or, you know, somewhere someone would like your story, but how do you make that impact in a crowded field? Well, first of all, as loud and noisy as it is, I like to remind people that there is a Starbucks on almost every corner in every town and city in America, and people go in there and buy coffee. So you do have an audience, and it's our job to figure out where they are. Here's an important thing that we do while we're trying to figure that out, is we look at your competition. Who else is writing the same kind of book and who's buying from them. So when an author comes to me and says, well, no one, no one's writing a book like mine. I kind of smile and I say, well, then who's going to read your book? Because where's the audience for your book if nobody's writing the story? Right. Um, we all know that <clears throat> there are no new stories. There are just new ways to tell stories. 
Um, so I ask my authors to go to Amazon and go physically into Barnes and Noble, go to the section, if it's a self-help book, if it's the um, psychology book, if it's the um, business startup, go to that section and you look and see who's on the shelf. In Amazon, it's really good because you can see what ranking they have. And that tells you how popular it is. Um, so we explore that because then the, then the job is to say, okay, well, there is an audience because people, people are buying books like mine. And I mean, that's a big thing authors need to learn is that you don't have to feel like you need your book to be so different. It, it needs to be original, unique, and, and um, honest. But if I'm in the business of learning social media and you write a book on social media, I may have four or five other books on social media, but I'm sure gonna look at yours if we promote it properly, but that's the point. So then we look at, at the competition and then we look at the, the possible audience and then where do they hang out? They hang out on Facebook? Do they hang out on Instagram? Are they doing podcasts? Are they um, on LinkedIn? Generally, I recommend LinkedIn for my clients because they're business books and LinkedIn has been very good to me um, in that area. And I want them to learn how to use LinkedIn properly. Um, and then we talk about how to launch, how to talk about the book ahead of time, how to create teasers. Now, let, let me be a little honest here. I don't do this. I am not the book marketer. I am the developmental editor and the coach. And then my husband puts the book together and does the page layout, the cover design, and then we get it on Kindle. But I do have information. I do have um, eBooks I've written and I do have contacts and other people who do the book marketing that I connect with my authors. But um, I personally do work with them on who the audience is. Got it. Yeah, that's, and that's a critical piece. I, you know, from, as a personal perspective, as I'm uh, in the process of writing my first full-length manuscript outside of my academic dissertation, uh, I, it was a new journey for me, despite all of the articles that I've written the audience is very well defined when you're writing an article because it tends to be for a particular publication that has, you know, kind of a built-in base. And when you are sitting at it with a blank screen and mm -hmm. deciding this is the story I want to tell, it is a journey to go in and find your audience. It's a journey to go in and find your comps. It's a, mm -hmm. you know, it's a real journey. I put together my book proposal and it took me a long time to figure out all of those pieces and not to say that I necessarily got it right. I just even the exercise of doing it the first time was, yeah. um, and it's important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the it's a big part of what we talk about because we absolutely, I want them to see who's selling the same story on Amazon and then who do we think is buying it from them? Uh, Facebook has groups after groups after groups that you can get get to be part of to find out things like this. Um, LinkedIn has groups, um, you use hashtags, you use uh, the at symbol, you tag people, 
it's it's a it's a job. So yeah. when you when people write a book, I tell them that that's the easy part, and then they that they laugh because they don't think it is. But once they're done with it, I mean, from the middle of the book, even the beginning. I mean, there's an author I'm working with now that we're going to start marketing this book immediately because she has a following and she wants to grow the following. Um, but the, the point being, don't be afraid to talk about it. Talk about it um, in, in a big thing that, that uh, new authors are afraid of is getting someone that they feel that they admire to look at their book or uh, um, acknowledge that they're writing a book or whatever. And don't be afraid. You can add them, you can hashtag them. I mean, it, it people love it. That's a flattering thing. If you hashtag me and said you quoted me in, in your book, I'm all about going there to support you for that book. Right, right. right? Um, so don't be afraid, don't be afraid. People are much more approachable than you think. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I am struggling currently to decide. I mean, I'm still working through the manuscript, so it's not complete. I have started talking. I have, I've bridged the fear of talking about it all the time. Clearly, I'm talking about it now in a more public forum, but I, I have it up on my website as something that's happening. I talk about, I do quotes from it um, on my social media occasionally. So mm -hmm. there's a, a beginning to, to that process. But the next piece that um, I think is going to be the next piece of vulnerability for me is sending it re like full board to someone uh, to both to ask for endorsements and also to um, to read. Now, an editor, I have no uh, right, right. It's strange because I don't have any ego around. I don't really have any darlings that I necessarily are holding on to. Okay. So so therefore, I'm really good at being egoless with an editor, but sending it to someone to ask them to be like an endorser has like a different weight to it, oh, right? Okay. Oh. As a different, and it, that's really a discussion around where our vulnerability lies, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it is, it is. And um, a really powerful thing that I learned just recently, um, and by the way, I want everyone to know that, that I don't profess to know everything there is about writing and publishing a book. I continue to study and take webinars and attend um, you know, classes and, and learn because things change from year to year. And things are different now than they were when I was a publisher. But um, I keep up as, as well as I can. But the thing I, I learned is that if you can get someone of note in your field to write the foreword of your book, that Amazon treats that as a co-author and you become more important. So interesting. That's good. For tip. your book, uh, for instance, if you went out and got um, Dr. Phil just, uh, you know, to write the foreword of your book, suddenly he would be a co-author, and guess what? You would be very popular on Amazon. And <laughs> oh, right, right. But not really um, my audience, but I appreciate this. Right, right. But the but the point being that that. The other point being that instead of trying to aim for someone like Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz or whoever um, it, it might be that we're, we're thinking of in our field for our books, look a little bit lower and look at like, I love the suggestions in this webinar. So who's 
writing content already in that space that you could tap into, that you could send a respectful email to. Um, and there were, the webinar taught um, ways to connect with some of these, they call them celebrities because they're the people more important than, than me. I don't know about you, but more important than me. Um, and the point being, if you don't ask, you know, you can't get the answer. You got to ask. So right, you got to brave. You got to make a list of who in, in my space has influence and how do I connect with them and maybe get them to endorse my book. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. There's so many people that I could reach out to, to, um, think about, and it's really about the angles of, you know, who would be meaningful, who would align with yeah. the message that I'm trying to get across. And then who would be, you know, then there's the, who would be willing <laughs> conversation. But the other thing, um, Melanie, is that people don't understand the power of pre-selling their book. Mm -hmm. So you, you should have a page on your site where you're offering people a pre-sale um, bonus of some sort. So if you buy my book, you get a free coaching. You know, it's only good for the next two weeks. If you buy three copies of my book to share with your friends, you get free coaching and the something else. And basically in the world um, of nonfiction, this is a really powerful way to get the word out and, and to sell some books and to get some notice and you know then when the book launches there you are you're you're already well ahead of everybody else because plus if you're if you're in business and you can offer whatever that bonus is um gosh that's what it's all about isn't it it isn't just about the book right yeah i tell people all the time so one of the big questions author is what do you want to happen after the book is done? And I get the deer in the headlights look. Right. I don't know. Well, we want something to happen. So let's figure out what that something is. Because you want people to do something. Not just buy the book. You want them to do something. You want this book to transform their lives. So you want them to connect with you, take a webinar, be part of your community, whatever it is, you want them to do something. So what is it, author, that you want them to do? And so we work on that too. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that is an important question because, and, and for me, and I'm, I'm filtering all of what you're saying through the lens of like my writing journey that I'm on. And for me, that's changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, what I was called to do in terms of articulating my story, uh, I, if you had asked me when I first started writing, it would have been deer in headlights because I had no real plan. All I knew was I had this sort of burning desire to tell my story and I believe in the power of stories and I want, mm -hmm. and I knew that it would resonate with people because I had started already talking about it mm -hmm. a lot and it resonated. I watched the look on people's face when I told that story or told a version of that story or a mini, you know, a mini snippet. And that was my motivation to say, okay, I've got to, I've got to do this. I have to stop talking about 
the fact that I want to do this and actually just sit down and do it. And, um, but that's changed over time. I do have ideas now of how I can translate that into actually helping people and how I can use messaging to, you know, impact people later. Well, yeah. And a lot of, um, a lot of my authors want to become speakers. They want to go out and speak and in COVID kind of put the nicks on that for a while, didn't it? Yeah. Yes. But they still have this this burning desire to do the the share in person also, and I tell them that um, that means you cannot put everything in the book. That means we have to keep some of these stories out, because when you're going there and you're going to be speaking in front of a crowd, you need to tell them a new story. You can read from the book. You can talk about the book's purpose, the book's message, but then you have to have a new story because the, because the crowd that's already read the book, they want something new. They don't want, so you have to keep some of it out. And sometimes you keep some of it out because you're going to write book two, but you can't give everything away. So we, we work on, well, maybe this is a story that you save for when you're going to speaking circuit. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. So as we start to wrap up, what, what would you say to just women out there who have kind of a burning desire to tell their story, right? Where do they start? What's that very first movement that moves you from something I dream about, you know, sipping rosé on a Sunday to something that I do? Well, sit down at the computer and start typing. It's amazing what will come out. Some people recommend journaling, and journaling is good. I, I don't not recommend it. But if you're if you have a burning desire and you have a story and you think your story can help other people and you want to transform other people's lives, you want to make a difference in the world, then begin to write that story. Because as you write it, as you type away, it'll come pouring out. Now, then you need to get an editor. Um, I would recommend a developmental editor because again, there are parts of the story that might need to be changed or taken out or moved. But um, if, if you're just getting started, don't hesitate. Don't, don't, first of all, don't sit down and do what, what too many people do. Too many people, I have the story, it's wonderful. Maybe they told it to me and I told them how great it was and they go home and they're like, it is great, but who cares? Nobody cares about me. Nobody's gonna read my book. Don't do that, don't do that because people do care. Because I just told you, it, there could be 25 books on the shelf with the same message but it's not your message and it's not your story. And if you don't tell your story, then something is missing from the universe because your story matters. And it matters, even if it only matters to one or two other people, it matters. So sit down and start telling it and do your best. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was so wonderful to just talk through this and how many helpful tips came out of this. I had no idea. Not only we get to talk about your interesting background, but also so many practical tips for those of us who have a dream of, of 
telling our story and telling the stories of others. So tell, um, let everyone know how they can get in touch with you if they want to know more or are looking for a developmental editor. Well, the best way is to write to me, email me. I, um, I'm very good about responding to email and my address is my name. So Yvonne at YvonneDevita.com. Um, so Y-V-O-N-N-E is my first name and Y-V-O-N-N-E-D-I-V-I-T-A.com is um, the email address. And, and it would be helpful to put something in the subject line relevant to, I'm writing a book, I heard you on Melanie's show, something that gives me a little heads up. So I know that you're not spam. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's so sad to say that, that I have to personally, in my email box, I'm constantly just sometimes looking at something saying, should I open this or not? So something relevant to saying that they heard uh, me on your show would be very helpful. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. And I really, um, I'm just so blessed to have met you and to be able to um, speak today and to share your story. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was fun. This has been another episode of the Becoming Congruent podcast, a production of In Pursuit, outcomes-driven, impact-focused. Thanks for listening. I'll see you around the journey soon.